0: Shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with
1: Jen Spiker. Weekdays on vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app.
2: Coming up today on The Story.
1: I rang him and I said, What does this mean? And he said, I want you to do a talk on attitude at our next meeting. So, what I did was, I collected a few hats that I had to depict different attitudes happy, glad, Mm -hmm. sad, both good and bad attitudes. And then that's how it really started. From that, I enhanced that with different outfits.
2: The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story.
1: Well, for a long
2: time, Carol Berry suffered with a low self-image and never knew how she fit in. That was until she discovered that she had a talent for playing charades and acting out different characters. Now, as a Christian, she's using her dramatic skills to illustrate spiritual truths. Carol's joining us today on the phone from the Sunshine Coast to share her story. She's chatting with Karen Hunt.
0: You're born and bred in Sydney. What was life like, Carol, for you as a young girl, especially growing up in the area of Parramatta?
1: Yes, I had um, a really uh, fun childhood. I was one of four children, born in 1947. And life in growing up in Parramatta in those days was pretty good. Um, As I said, I had a, a beautiful, loving Christian mum And um, although my mum and dad didn't have a really happy marriage, they were together. I guess in those days, um, you know, it was difficult um, for women to be independent. And so therefore, because of my dad's um, absence a lot of the time, she really was the one who influenced us and, just so loving and kind and gentle. Hmm.
0: So what did you enjoy in that stage of your life as a young? And what were you good at? What did you love?
1: I just loved school and I was um, a senior prefect in high school. Mm -hmm. But I really loved the social life of school, Karen. I would spend my days daydreaming about what I was going to wear to the next school dance. (laughs) (laughs) And so I didn't take study very seriously, unfortunately. You wanted to have fun. I just wanted to have fun. And I guess I was popular with the boys and um, I, yes, but sadly, um, come fourth year, the headmaster actually um, called me into his office and suggested that I might like to leave school because I wasn't taking it seriously enough. True story. So that's what I did, yeah. Yeah,
0: so you did. Just rewind, though, to your primary school years. Now, you were telling me just personally before, in those earlier years, you had quite a stutter. Your verbal communication was greatly affected by a particular teacher who made every student stand up and read a paragraph out loud in front of everyone, and you were petrified.
1: I was, and of course, we were called up uh, one by one in our in our the sur, our surname in alphabetical order, and my surname was sadly so S was right near the last um, of, of the uh, surnames on the list. And so by the time the teacher asked me to stand up to read my paragraph, I was I was literally uh, I was shaking oh. and so upset, and I just I I couldn't do it. I I was afraid that. Everybody was going to make fun of me, and I remember one day I just ran out of the class in tears, and mm. it really affected me. And then, as time went on, I had an English teacher who recognized that this had a profound effect on my self esteem, and she encouraged our class on a Friday afternoon to have a little concert. And we used to do charades. And what happened? I used to get picked to um, perform yeah. every Friday afternoon in front of the class and I would do these charades, and and they laughed. The kids actually laughed. They thought it was funny. <laughs> so they're
0: not laughing at you to put you down. They're yes. thinking that you're actually entertaining them. Exactly,
1: exactly. How so, good is that? So I didn't have to speak, you see. huh uh, I can see God's hand of grace um, all the way from there. So So there's
0: a big shot to the confidence and uh,
1: leading definitely into things that
0: you're currently doing in your later life now. But um, tell me back to the high school years. So when you left high school, thanks to the nudge by the principal,
1: what (laughs) did you enter into? (laughs) I I, I thought, well, I'd like to be a hairdresser. Yeah. So I walked um, into every hairdressing salon in Parramatta until one of the um, the uh, proprietors there said, yes, well, look, I'm prepared to put you on. You can start next week. So I started working in the Civic Arcade in George Street. Mm-hmm. How's that from memory? Wow. <laughs> and I earned £6 a week. Now, in those days, it was really tough. And I know I admire hairdressing because that's hard work. However, I was the only junior for about four seniors and um, after about 18 months, I was doing quite okay at the the tech, but I would develop bad dermatitis and I really wasn't doing well at the hairdressing, doing all the shampoos and the perms. In those days, people would come in and have their hair teased right up and we'd spray the lacquer (laughs) and I'd be coughing. And so after 18 months of hairdressing, I resigned. My dad actually wanted me to be a nurse. And so I thought, well, that sounds a really um, valuable uh, career, Dad. So I went into Sydney Hospital for an interview. And in those days, it wasn't a university degree. You just became a nurse if that's what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I had the interview for the nurse. I had the interview and, um, and then I asked to come back a week later to have the uniform tried on, which I did. But then, uh, just before I was about to start my nursing career, I met a new boyfriend and fell in love, and that was the end of the nursing. <laughs> there you go. So it didn't last too long. Can you imagine? <laughs> After meeting the young man, I actually then started working for the Postal Services Division at the GPO in Sydney. Yeah. I was a clerical assistant, class two. The time to begin was eight fifty one AM. Like eight fifty one. Eight yeah. fifty one. And the closing time for work each day was off oh, from memory about something like 10 past 5 or something like that. I can't, but it was very specific. Maybe 5-11. So I, <laughs> I had four years there and had such fun. I was uh, the social butterfly that of the were. company. Yeah. <laughs> and then I met my first husband. He was um, going to Vietnam. And I met him through Parramatta Musical Society. Ah. And we'd gone out for dinner the night before he was to leave for Vietnam. As um, time went on, he was stationed in Saigon for twelve months. He was a photographer in the army, and he, um, we wrote, uh, we corresponded by um, letter, of course, and tapes. And the night he came home from Vietnam, twelve months later, he asked me to marry him. And I thought, well, I'm in between places at the moment. Why not? So I said yes. And six months later, we were married.
0: Was he a musical type of person as well? I mean, photography can be very creative. The Paramount of Musical Society sounds interesting to me.
1: It was a very interesting time in my life, Karen. And one thing I'd love to point out, because this could encourage others. Yeah. During my time of musical comedy performing, I wanted to learn how to sing. And one of the women heavily involved in the organization was, I thought was, you know, I was impressed with her singing and I asked her if she would teach me how to sing Uh because I thought, well, you just have a few lessons and then you can sing and that would be about it. (laughs) However, that wasn't the case. I went along to her place on Saturday morning and I had about a half an hour's uh, lesson with her and did some scales, etc., and paid my money and left. Agreeing that I'd meet her the next week, so I turned up for the um, the next lesson the following Saturday, and she um, stood at the door and she said to me, "Carol, don't waste my time or your money. You'll never sing." <gasps> oh, true story. <laughs> and I was devastated I because bet. yeah, I didn't want to be stuck in the chorus forever. Mm-hmm. However, I um, that was something in my heart, and um, all those years, many years, uh, it was about. Seven years ago I started singing lessons. I'm working at it. I know I'm improving, but it's part of the ministry that I do and, and God's blessing me with the determination to keep at it and my friends tell me I'm getting better at it.
0: Fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Such tenacity,
1: huh? Yes, yes. So uh, but those words, you know, the power of the spoken Ooh. word. I really, to this day, actually, I still struggle uh, thinking, am I good enough to be singing publicly? Mm -hmm. However, I have listened to myself. I've been taping myself and I have had singing lessons um, off and on for about the last, I think, seven or so years. Because through song, um, the beautiful hymns that we have from the past, especially, I like the older hymns. I think it's such a beautiful ministry, a way to touch people's hearts through Mm. song, uh, praising the Lord and worshipping Him. And what you can't actually say in um, speaking a sermon, a song can often enhance a message.
2: You're listening to The Story. Today Karen Hunt is chatting with Carol Berry who's the founder of a unique ministry for women called Ruby's Room where Ruby is just one of the many characters Carol portrays to illustrate spiritual truths. We'll hear more of Carol's colourful story when we return. The Story Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Carol Berry, who's the founder of a creative ministry for women called Ruby's Room. Before the break, we heard how Carol suffered with a low self-image and never knew how she fit in. Now we'll find out how she finally discovers her unique gift and how she's using it to glorify God.
1: In the year 2001, I started with the Commonwealth Bank here in Marichidor as a personal life insurance consultant. Mm -hmm. And we had um, a team of uh, 12 of us. Some of us were financial people and others of us were insurance consultants and that's where I fitted in. But we'd all meet together for a weekly uh, meeting, you know, to be encouraged and revved up to get more sales, etc., and one day I came into my office and there was a little sticker note, a yellow sticker on my door. It just had one word written on it and it was attitude. Mm-hmm. And my manager had written that and, and I rang him and I said, what does this mean? And he said, I want you to do a talk on attitude at our next uh, meeting. Okay. I thought, righto, eh? attitude. Well, there's good and there's bad. But, so what I did was I collected a few hats that I had in the cupboard And I, I thought What I can do is just um, Trim these hats or colour them Or put little different things on them To, um, to depict different attitudes Happy, glad, mm-hmm. sad critical, judgmental, both good and bad attitudes. So I did this attitude, and I called it attitude on parade. And so it was a mixture of good and bad attitudes. Back to my little school days when I was doing the charades, I showed with the different hats and different accessories, funny sunglasses, etc. Props can do amazing things. (laughs) Yes, yes. So, And then that's how it really started. From that, I enhanced that with different outfits, and I had an attitude on parade concert in my own home and I had 17 people in the lounge room. That was back in the year 2001. Good memories? Yeah, very good memories. So that was the beginning of these characters that I've now developed. Tell us about life as a young
0: married couple, family, and what actually took you away from Sydney up to far north Queensland, to Cairns?
1: Yes, well, Karen, the first marriage I had uh, lasted for four years only, sadly. It was devastating, and I actually had a nervous breakdown and was hospitalized for four Mm -hmm. weeks.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That was a major turning point in my life because my confidence, my self-esteem was um, heavily battered. A few years after that I married again for the second time now my first marriage I had my son Ben mm-hmm. who is now 43 and living in Sydney and uh, married to Libby and my, my granddaughter's name is Ruby so uh, that connects to the ministry yeah. so after uh, four years of marriage um, I was divorced and a few years later I married for the second time and that marriage lasted for ten years I found that I I didn't have a peace. I I knew that marriage was forever and until death do you part. And by this time I'd had another son, Alexander. And so sadly that marriage after 10 years ended in divorce and um, I sought psychological help because I thought there must be something really weird with me. And then in 1987, I met my husband, my third husband-to-be, John. (laughs) And we've been married 25 years. Did you meet him in Sydney, or was that when you actually went to camp? No, I met John in Sydney. Yeah. And we went out on a a blind date, out for dinner, and I put so much perfume, Revlon Sierra perfume and cream on, that we were (laughs) sitting at the dining table in the restaurant, and the waitress came up and said... Madam, what beautiful perfume you're wearing. We can smell it from the kitchen. Oh, true. <laughs> After two years, that we were married, and John and I decided that we would um, go up to Queensland to live. And Ben was independent at that stage, so the three of us um, decided that we would go to Queensland. We drove to Cairns. That was in October 1990. Now, in July 1992, a new marriage didn't seem to help me. I was still this mixed up person and there were so many um, bad memories of Sydney and very low self-esteem and I just knew that something was wrong. I was depressed. Um, It was a really bad time in my life and although I didn't consider suicide seriously, I didn't know that I could go on living either. I didn't know whether to stay in Cairns or to go back to Sydney. So I cried out to God one night and I said, God, if you're real, you better come and help me. Mm. And uh, I'd made a friend with a neighbor and she said, Look, I know someone who can help you, Carol. She's um, a charismatic Catholic. She lives on a sugarcane farm and I think she can really help you. So I rang this lady and made an appointment and went out to see her. That morning, Karen, I was introduced to Jesus on a sugar cane farm? On a sugar cane farm. Really? Yes, I was born again and spirit filled. I walked out of her home about an hour and a half later speaking in tongues. Wow. It was quite dramatic.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, where was God in the picture with what you were describing
1: a bit oh. earlier, but here he is loud and clear. It was like the Holy Spirit came in waves over me, and of course I cried and I cried. I could see the bitterness I'd harbored. I could see the resentment I'd harbored. I could see my selfishness, but the way the Holy Spirit did it was so gentle, and so began my new life as a Christian, but I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell anybody And it wasn't until the following year on Mother's Day when we'd moved to Gladstone that I went to church for the first time since I was 16. Really? So did your hubby know about this? He didn't. No one knew um, until I rang my son Ben in Sydney one day a few months later and he'd also been born again at university Um, one day. He was talking to some students and they invited him to meet the Lord and and. I, and I said, yes, Ben, so am I. <laughs> wow. But I guess, Karen, what I'm doing now is I know from a, what I'd gone through in my own life, the low self-esteem. I was also sexually molested as a child mm. by a neighbor. And um, my whole self-esteem was really so low. And it didn't seem to improve as I got older. It seemed to get worse, if anything. So I knew that there was an answer. I knew that there was a God. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that God until the 22nd of July, 2002. So now he's my best friend. He's everything. I don't know what I'd do without him. You're in the palm of his hands, honey. Yeah. Hey? He's given me so much and he's forgiven me of so much. <laughs> so I, I just want to live for him. So Gladstone was a special place for you? It was the first time I went to church um, since I was 16, but we were only there for nine months. No, it wasn't a special pay.
0: So then what took you to the Sunshine
1: Coast? Uh, It was actually work for John. He was um, given a job. He was a solicitor, and um, he uh, was invited to join a firm of solicitors in Mooloolaba. We'd gone down for, we'd driven down for one weekend for him to have the interview, and then... The company wanted him to start the following Monday, so it was back to Gladstone packing up and then coming to the coast. Carol, you're pretty excited about
0: your current baby. As the founder of Ruby's Room, you've discovered a platform where you've been given the opportunity and the freedom to use your God-given expression, your God-given gift, you believe, of entertaining and encouraging. Tell us now about these characters. How are you able to present God in such a unique way?
1: Okay, well perhaps an easier way of describing that is um, to give you an example of yeah. a recent event. Reverend Brian Nagel from Budrum Uniting Church invited me to perform a character at both Services and I performed the character Daisy Grace. Mm -hmm. Now, Daisy is a cleaner. She's dressed in bright yellow. You couldn't miss her anywhere. And her role as a cleaner, she describes how she uh, is invited into people's homes. It's word of mouth. She's been in business for 22 years and she cleans people's homes. Now, what she does, she goes into the kitchen she'll see that there's so much slander all over the kitchen bench and in the cupboards and drawers there's hidden resentment and bitterness and into the fridge there's not, you know this person, this client she has, she's feeding on Hollywood hype and gossip, then she goes into the different rooms and she cleans all the unforgiveness off the carpet, there's critical attitude and judgmental attitude she picks up and she throws in the bin and so forth and so on but it's all done with an attitude of love and she leaves a letter for the client to say that she didn't come to judge Mm. or to condemn Mm -hmm. she came to show a better way of life and if this client would follow what she's written in her book she will live a good life a life that will impact on others for the better. Sounds
0: great. What
1: colour is Bettina? Tell us about Bettina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Multicoloured maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so Bettina Wapperhauser, she's a builder and that message is building relationships firstly with God and with others. So each character I've got about half a dozen currently. I have had more in the, the past but a lot of us might not encourage where we have the opportunity to encourage people and sadly I think that we so are used to being criticised or judged or maybe not verbally but a lot of us have grown up with a feeling of we're not quite good enough and God's way I know is to build our character in, in such a way to encourage us and to bring out the gifts, and that's one of the things that I want to have. I want to encourage people in using the gift that God's given them, and I believe he's given everybody a gift. And I believe that there are people who go to their grave not using the gift that God has given them. They've had opportunities, perhaps, but because of discouragement from others, they've just buried it. So the whole theme of Ruby's Room Ministry is to show women that the gift that they've been given by God can be brought out and can be encouraged. We hope to inspire them each month at our meetings. Now, is
0: Ruby's room something that's your baby just where you are or
1: is it in other places as well? For now, strictly on the Sunshine Coast, My heart's desire would be to see this ministry grow and to be recorded so that it can be enjoyed by other people throughout Australia and and even the world. That's my my big dream.
0: Yeah, well,
1: keep dreaming. God knows what's in store. The main thing is that as each woman walks into the room, they feel um, very welcome so they can come and feel relaxed. So this ministry is about... First and foremost, giving God the glory and his message and also to have fun. And we sing different songs and we just have a really good time.
0: Carol, I wish you well as you continue to poke fun at humanity and present God in your own very unique way. God bless you and your hubby and the people in your world and thank you so much for your time.
1: And thank you so much, Karen, for this opportunity you've given me to share my vision.
2: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Carol Berry who's the founder of a unique ministry for women called Ruby's Room where Ruby is just one of the many characters Carol portrays to illustrate spiritual truths. To find out more information about Carol's ministry you can go to her church's website www.budrumunitingchurch.org.au That's www.budrumunitingchurch.org.au While there, just look up activities and you'll see one of them is Ruby's Room. Well, it was great to hear how Carol is now using her unique gifts to bless others and to bring glory to the Lord. As it says in the Bible, each of us should use whatever gift we have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, thanks for joining us for Carol's colourful story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. After we started to go out together, I turned 16, and Louise decided to buy me a very special birthday present for my 16th birthday, and so she presented me with this beautiful silver cross that I could wear around my neck. I said to her, If I wear that, my mother will kill me. Lawrence Hirsch grew up in a Jewish family in South Africa, and in his teen years, his older brother came home with a Bible. This caused his parents to cry. Later, Lawrence's family emigrated to Australia where he began to become interested in Jesus himself. Lawrence and his wife, Louise, will share their story next time. The Story. story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.